There is a Latin maxim that heightens the centrality of worship in the life and identity and mission of the Catholic Church. It is lex orandi, lex credendi. The phrase in Latin literally means the law of prayer, the way we worship, is the law of belief, what we believe. It is sometimes expanded as lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi, further deepening the continuity of this truth into the authenticity of the lived Christian life. How we worship reflects what we believe and thus determines how we live. On Holy Thursday, we listened to the gospel as the Lord washed the feet of his disciples, and our worship reflected and embodied this call to forgiveness and charity within the church. This action of reconciliation echoed in Matthew's fifth chapter, where we are to leave our gifts at the foot of the altar and first be reconciled with our brother before offering our gift. This act of reconciliation brought about by the Lord's descending into our humanity to touch the lowest part of us, not our feet, but our sinfulness, and then the Lord inviting his disciples and us to his last supper, revealing the institution of the priesthood and the perpetual nature of the celebration of the Eucharist, which is the font and center of Catholic life. Without the priesthood of Jesus Christ, we have no reconciliation. We're left in our sins. Without the priesthood of Jesus Christ, we have no Eucharist. Thus, no thanksgiving and no church. No mission and no purpose. The church has long understood that part of her role as mater et magister, mother and teacher is to watch over her worship, to guard it for the sake of the faithful and in obedience to God whom she serves. How we worship not only reveals and guards what we believe, but it guides us in how we live our Christian faith and how we fulfill our Christian mission given to us by the Lord. You know, we never hear a sermon about Holy Saturday because the church has no liturgies on this day unless we're from a Slavic country and we bless Easter food. The entire church on Holy Saturday waits for this night, the celebration of the Easter vigil. But how can we appreciate the signs and symbols and sacramentals of this night unless we reflect on what has happened since we last gathered at the cross, kissed his wounds, stripped our altars, and waited in mournful silence while he took the battle into the darkness of sin and the vaults of death. Knowledge of this helps us see the importance of the Easter candle, which penetrates darkness, or your alleluia, which shatters the silence. It reflects him at creation and at redemption, embodied in our action. 
This morning's Office of Readings gives us an ancient account for Holy Saturday and helps us appreciate it by giving us a shocking account of his hidden work on this morning. The Lord goes into hell holding his victorious weapon, his cross. When Adam, the first created man, sees him, he strikes his breast in terror and calls out to all, My Lord, be with you all. And Christ in reply says to Adam, And with your spirit. And grasping his hand, he raises him up, saying, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. I am your God, who for your sake became your son, who for you and your descendants now speak and command with authority those in prison. Come forth, and those in darkness have light, and those who sleep rise. I command you, awake sleeper. I've not made you to be held a prisoner in an underworld. Arise from the dead. I am the life of the dead. Arise, O man, work of my hands. You were fashioned in my image. Rise, let us go hence, for you and me, and I and you. Together we are one, undivided person. For you, I, your God, became your son. For you, I, the master, took on your form, that of slave for you. I, who am above the heavens, came on earth and under the earth for you, man. I became as a man without help, free from the dead for you, who left a garden. I was handed over to the Jews from a garden and crucified in a garden. Look at the spittle on my face, which I received because of you, in order to restore you to that first divine inbreathing at creation. See the blows on my cheeks, which I accepted in order to refashion your distorted image to my own. See the scourging of my back, which I accepted in order to disperse the load of your sins, which was laid upon your back. And see my hands nailed to the tree for a good purpose for you who stretched out your hand to the tree for an evil one. I slept on the cross and a sword pierced my side for you who slept in paradise and brought forth Eve from your side. My side healed the pain of your side. My sleep will release you from your sleep in hell. My sword has sheathed the sword which was turned against you. But arise, let us go hence. The enemy brought you out of the land of paradise. I will reinstate you. No longer in paradise, but on the throne of heaven. I denied you the tree of life, which was a figure. But now I myself am united to you, I who am life. 
I posted the cherubim to guard you as they would slaves. Now I make the cherubim worship you as they would God. The cherubim throne has been prepared. The bearers are ready and waiting. The bridal chamber is in order. The food is provided. The everlasting houses and rooms are in readiness. The treasures of good things have been opened. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared before the ages. Yes, brothers and sisters, how we pray reveals what we believe and thus informs how we live. Our prayer announces to the world that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. It reveals to the world our belief in his bodily resurrection. And I believe St. John Chrysostom, the golden tongue, the Bishop of Constantinople, instructs us best in how we are to live what we believe. He writes, Let no one grieve at his poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn that he has fallen again and again, for forgiveness has risen from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the death of our Savior has set us free. He has destroyed it by enduring it. He is risen. Alleluia, alleluia.